Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Robin Lundberg Show coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. Uh, you know, I got less sleep than I normally do before the show. It's not exactly like um, this time slot is, is conducive towards the maximum amount of sleep that one can get. But I got even less <laughs> sleep before today because the NBA playoffs uh, were good last night. It shows you the first round got more competitive. The action heated up a little bit. And, you know, you, you look at uh, what, what transpired. I think that the Clippers coming back to beat the Mavericks, obviously, is an interesting wrinkle in that series because the the way that the Mavericks had gone up and and, and taken that two nothing lead was kind of surprising to to say the least at that level you know that they had done it on the road um and, and the the Clippers respond Kawhi Leonard with a big game 36 points eight rebounds Luka Doncic had been dominating that series still did 44 points nine rebounds and nine assists but now that one is starting to look like it could be, you know, the, a six or, or seven game series after the, the Mavericks go up 2-0 and they, they start game three with authority. You're wondering, man, is this going to be one of the, the more embarrassing flameouts that we've ever seen from a basketball team in the Clippers? And instead, uh, they wind up, you know, being able to get that, that victory. However, you also had the Knicks and the Hawks, and the Celtics, and the Nets. And start with the the New York Knicks and and the Atlanta Hawks for a second. I I think what you're seeing in that series is really, um, you know, some of the the lack of talent that the Knicks have had, or have, catching up to them a a little bit in in the playoffs. The Hawks are, are, are the more talented basketball team. And the things that went really well for the Knicks that they could rely on during the year, a couple of those things have not gone so well for them thus far in this series, particularly Julius Randle, who was an all-star and and caught a a lot of people off guard, you know, particularly myself. And he just did not have it in that game. He just didn't, or in this series, he he doesn't have it. He looks lost. Uh, You know, the the extra attention, the, the scouting that he's getting, crowding the, the paint and, and, and trying to force him 
uh, into quick decisions, and, and he, he is not coming through thus far in the series. I saw the number. What is he shooting at the moment? It, it is some level of uh, shooting that is, is not <laughs> what you would want from your top player. 13 of 54 in the series thus far, 24.1%. It's the worst field goal percentage by any player in the first three games of a postseason in the shot clock era. So there you have that. And R.J. Barrett struggling for them as well. Meanwhile, on the other side, Trey Young, who is having his coming out party because of his uh, friction, I guess you will, with the fan base in New York, he keeps getting into the paint, which is generating easy shots. The, the Knicks ha- have hung their hat on defense all season. It's not like they've been poor on that end, but they, they've had a lot of trouble containing Trey Young. They just don't really have the personnel for that. And if it wasn't for Derrick Rose, I don't know where that team would be right now. Well, they'd be you know um, one game away from being eliminated, but they, they certainly wouldn't be in the, in the series. If Derrick Rose ha- has had a um, career renaissance as of late, and he's become the, the Knicks' most important player. But Atlanta... Through three games, just looks like the the more talented team to me. Uh, when you're, you're talking about that Clippers Mavic series that I, I just referenced, um, you know Luka Doncic has been the best player on the floor, but the the Clippers got some of those shots to fall for themselves last night. And then there was the the Celtics and the Nets, and that may be the one that that gets and garners the most reaction because of the animosity almost that there is for the uh the the Brooklyn Nets and the 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 uh way that people like to revel in anything that goes wrong for them. And last night Jason Tatum just lit them up. Jason Tatum was was picking them apart on switches. You know, he kept getting the these switches where Kyrie Irving was on him. And he he would just obviously make easy work uh, of Kyrie who who can't guard him, uh, too small for Jason Tatum. And it was just one of those nights where he had it rolling, and when he had it ro- has it rolling, he can hit all sorts of shots, right? Like, I mean, this is, is somebody who is a shot maker. And 50 points last night in that game, you know, they got good contributions from Marcus Smart, who, who helped in all the ways he does, including some flopping. Uh, Evan Fournier hit some big shots, and Kyrie really struggled. Uh, the Nets, um, you know, it, it's funny because you have a big three, in Brooklyn, and James Harden, and, and Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and when that's the case, you know, people think that's all that there needs to be, and of course, that's the, you know, if they lose with those three guys, they're going to be ridiculed, that's the, the nature of the beast, that will happen, but they're missing an important piece, too, in, in Jeff Green, who had helped that team all season long because of his versatility. You know, with Jeff Green out on the floor, the Nets are are able to play five out, meaning put five players outside on the perimeter, and switch one through five, meaning you know all their their players can can switch defensively and they they don't lose on that end. And they really missed him there because he's not able to switch out onto Jason Tatum because he's not able to be out on the floor um, for for them to to play small ball. Uh, big man minutes, which, which he did a lot this year. And, and that's something to watch as the playoffs go forward because he's going to be reevaluated. I think they said in 10 days 
from the the injury when they announced it. I don't know if that was yesterday or the day before, but that is is something that you know I'm not so sure the Nets can win the championship without Jeff Green, and you you, you hear that and you think, well, they got all these other guys, but you know championships aren't won by a couple players; they're won by role players. Last year, you know the the Lakers, KCP, Alex Caruso, you know guys like that who helped them win the the, the championship, and I think. Jeff Green is an important piece for the Nets, maybe one of their five most important guys. So it, it, keep an eye on his status as the playoffs go forward, especially if they want, uh, match up with the Milwaukee Bucks in the next round. But the Bucks, you know, look really good. And the, the Nets at, at this juncture have to play at least one more game in their series with the Boston Celtics than four. They're going to have to go at least five. And the storyline going in, to game four for that will once again be the crowd in Boston and the the energy and the vibe in Boston because it was heading into game three as well, given Kyrie Irving's comments. Kyrie Irving saying, you know, that he didn't want to experience subtle racism and and, uh, that sort of welcome from Boston. And after last night's game, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of Celtics fans with that quote-unquote Celtic pride in the sense that Kyrie Irving really struggled. Uh, one of his worst performances of the year, 6 of 17 from the floor, just 16 points. Uh, defensively, he had a rough go of it. Again, Jason Tatum was picking on him all night. Now, it, it's easy to say there's a cause and effect there. It's easy to go back and 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 say, oh, you know, Kyrie was rattled by the crowd. I doubt that was the case just because of his experience throughout his career. But you, you never know. You know, one thing I, I've noticed about these crowds is they were gone for a long time, right? So it's almost a new variable for players, even experienced players. You know, when you're, you, for a year and change, you get used to playing in an empty arena, and then all of a sudden you're playing in front of a packed house, there's a different vibe. There's a, a, a different energy. It, it's just almost, I, I've seen guys describe it as strange. Same way for, you know, you and I, if we were to have to go to in-person meeting or something like that. Maybe that's starting to happen for people. You know, you, you, I was at the, the Nets game on Tuesday night. Uh, that wasn't strange. It was, it was cool to go do something like that again, to have that energy to be out amongst other people. But it is like experiencing it for the first time again, in a way. Because, it, you know, we've, we've all been living these lives that are, are so different. And psychologically, you get used to that. And that becomes the new norm. So I, I do think there's a chance that some players have been a little affected by the crowds more so than they would have been normally because the crowds are a new thing. And they've been gone for so long. Now, that, that would adjust and it'll be interesting to see how various players adjust to those crowds. Now, what Kyrie said going into the game, there was a lot of talk about that. And Jalen Brown of the Celtics, he gave his thoughts. And, and you need to obviously respect where, where Brown's coming from because he's really walked the walk as well as, as talk to talk. And he said, you know, he agrees that racism obviously needs to be uh, addressed and talked about, but he didn't love the way that it was centered around a playoff game. Um, meanwhile, there are, are plenty of others who have spoken out and said 
you know, they have in Boston experienced maybe treatment or uh, vitriol that was harsher than in other places. Uh, I talked to Kerry Kittles, who I do a podcast with a former member of the, the Nets, and he said it was different in Boston. And, and we got a whole bunch of, you know, different accounts from various players. Marcus Smart, who's on the Celtics, said how it's tough um, when you can be talked to that way and, and then fans can root for you. Um, there's obviously the stories out of baseball, Adam Jones and Torrey Hunter. And and I think so many times people ap- approach topics and they, they can't do it with a degree of nuance because there's a defensiveness that's going to come up with Celtics fans. And one, you shouldn't paint any group with a broad brushstroke. You know, that doesn't mean all Celtics fans or most Celtics fans or, you know, even a large minority of Celtics fans. However, enough players from various sports have said the same thing where there has to be a credence to it. And I want to get, you know, into all the the fan interactions that we've seen this week as the show rolls on because I think that was really the biggest story of the week is is the interaction between fans and players as they were back in the building. As I was just talking about the effect of fans being back in as far as a, a cheering aspect goes. But um, first, let's focus on what happened on the court. I, I'm guessing most people don't think the Brooklyn Nets are actually in trouble after losing to the Boston Celtics and having that series extended to five games. But you never know. When you're rooting against the team, you might convince them yourself that they are, in fact, in trouble. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. What do you make of the NBA playoffs thus far? Again, the Clippers come back last night. That should be a thrilling series. That may wind up being the marquee series of the first round, I believe. You know, the, the Knicks and the Hawks has been entertaining the whole interaction between Trey Young and the crowd, the you know, the chance and everything else that, that's taken place. But I, I do wonder if the Hawks don't wind up taking control of that, that series the way it has gone thus far and, and the way the, the Knicks have played in that first round series thus far. The Celtics, you know, with that win, Steve Nash said they, they got a little bit of confidence. They got a little bit of confidence they're going to have game four at home. Uh, however, James Harden also did say that um, he thinks it's good for the Nets that they lose. I suppose the logic there is that you can make some of the adjustments that you don't want to have to make against a better team and learn how to adapt as a team earlier in the in the postseason. And at the same time, it's a little bit of a wake-up call. You're not invincible. You're not just going to run through the playoffs because you got Harden, Durant, and Irving on the same squad. That's not the way it's going to be. And, you know, it gives them more reps with those guys together because you forget they've played so few games together. 855-212-4227. What's your takeaway from the latest in the NBA playoff action? And again, I I do want to get to all of the interaction between the fans and the players and what's happened and transpired in the NBA this week. I have a couple of um, basic rules I think we should all be able to agree on. 
I would hope we can all agree on because some of the things that are, are going on are not exactly, uh, you know, shouldn't act, it shouldn't be controversial to be against <laughs> some of the behavior that we've seen out there. You can also get at me on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg. That's R-O-B-I-N-L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G. It is The Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show. How much do you want to see the Brooklyn Nets lose? 855-212-4227. Did I mention that um, map I saw on Twitter a week or so ago? It was uh, basically that the Nets were the most hated team in the league now, surpassing the Lakers. I forget how the data was collected. It was like Twitter data and and data done through a a gambling company, I believe. But in that case, you know, there's hysteria whenever that team loses because fans want to see it happen. They want to see it fail. They want to laugh at Kyrie. They want to laugh at KD. They want to laugh at James Harden. They got a chance to laugh at them last night as uh, Jason Tatum had the last laugh in that game. And Tristan Thompson's already hyping up the crowd for the for the next game. He, he said they need to, to blow the roof off and everybody's going to be dancing in there. And, and there's been a lot of buildup as to what that, um, you know, arena is going to sound like and feel like on Sunday night. And that's a new feeling again. It was, you know, it's, it's an old new feeling. We saw it at Madison Square Garden, you know, I- against the, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean... That whole Trey Young interaction doesn't happen if it's not for the crowd. Whether whatever you think about what the crowd was chanting, that you know, rise to prominence that he's had in the series. Even if he was playing as well as he's been playing, it wouldn't get the attention if it wasn't for what the crowd did. If it wasn't for you know him saying shh and they got quiet, you know th- those things have have added to the dynamics. So. In, in a lot of ways, it's awesome to see the crowds back at games. You know, that's fun. It's an excitement. It's a, an energy that we haven't seen in sports in this pandemic. And, and in basketball in particular, I mean, they played the whole playoffs last year in the bubble with no fans. They played the whole season this year, essentially, with no fans. And now you're in the playoffs, and you've got... Fans back in the building and that vibe back, that is really cool to see. You know, that that is is the kind of energy that I think we're all happy to see and, and have going again. But at the same time, you know, there were a couple incidences incidents that weren't exactly the the, you know, celebration of, of fans' return, which we'll get to in a minute, but I, I do want to talk about the action from last night. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, you're up here on the Robin Lundberg Show on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, Brian? Hey, good morning. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, well, I don't want to see the Nets lose in this round. I'd like to see them lose, of course, in the next round uh, and have the Bucks take them out. And, you know, the Nets have really good offense. The Bucks have really good defense mixed with some pretty – darn good offense so I think the Bucks have the uh, makeup right now with Holiday um, in there of course they're going to be missing DiVincenzo but I think they've got some guys that can come off the bench and, and uh, at least uh, help a little bit 
in the absence of DiVincenzo. So they've got a little bit of flexibility there with their bench and uh, with the defense. I don't think the uh, Nets can can um, have as much firepower against the Bucks defense. So I I just think the Bucks are going to win that one. Uh, look, I, I think the the Bucks definitely have a chance in that series. I, I think there are three teams, and, and apologies to the Philadelphia 76ers who probably belong in this mix. Um, I would have put the Denver Nuggets in, in this mix if if Jamal Murray was healthy, but. I do believe that the NBA champion will be between the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Milwaukee Bucks are a real bona fide squad this year. And and thank you for the call. I mean, they got, obviously we all know about Giannis, but he's been put in more position to succeed because Chris Middleton is starting to play well to close games. You know, they've got somebody... reliable to hit tough shots down the stretch of games, which is not Giannis's game, and that's okay. It's allowed Giannis to play more like a big in those minutes. Uh, Drew Holiday, you know, the acquisition of him, what they traded, it's been worth it because, look, there was, what other move were they going to make? And it got Giannis to stay. Well, I don't know if it was cause and effect, right, that, that got Giannis to stay, but Giannis did decide to stay after that. So now they have their own version of a big three. And they've got a pretty deep team. They've got a, a, a tough team. And, and I think they match up about as well as you can with the Brooklyn Nets because Holiday can go on, on one of those guards. I would assume they probably put him on Kyrie to try and take Kyrie out of his game and, and maybe uh, send extra action at Harden. But the same goes for Durant. Durant's seen a lot of extra action. It was uh, the, the opposite last night in Boston, though, which is interesting. They were trapping Kyrie. In Boston, so we'll see what wrinkles teams use. But the the Bucks, nevertheless, you know, Giannis is is kind of built to go against the Nets. He, he does everything well that they are legitimately weak at, which is dealing with power players, dealing with force inside, second chance opportunities, that sort of thing. So I I, I would not count out the Bucks in, in that series or in a series with anybody. I think. Milwaukee and Brooklyn next round, assuming that they both move on. And despite the Nets' loss to the Celtics, I will assume that they'll they'll get through that series. I do believe that's going to determine who wins the the Eastern Conference. I, I you know both teams dealing with a bit of an injury. Dante Divincenzo out for for Milwaukee. He hurts them from a uh, guard perspective as far as their defensive versatility. You know, they, they won't be quite as good defensively without him out there. And, and I mentioned it before, but Jeff Green's been an important cog for the Nets, and they really miss him. Um, there's a chance he's back some point in that series, but the, the Nets are going to need him healthy, I think, to ultimately win the championship. On the other side of the bracket, it, it is interesting because typically you think about the, the West as the powerhouse conference. I think the East is better than the West right now. Maybe not top to bottom. But I think the, the East at the top is better than the West. Because when I look at the, the Western Conference, I, I really think the Lakers should theoretically kind of cruise to the NBA Finals. I, I don't see another team and go, oh, yeah, that's the team that's going to take them out. right? In, in the East, I just talked about what Brooklyn and Milwaukee will be and should be. And I was almost disrespectful to Philly because I shouldn't write Philly off given what they did all season, given you know they haven't done anything 
in the, the postseason to back off of that. So that's three like elite teams at the top of the Eastern Conference. In the West, you know, Phoenix, Chris Paul's injury has, has screwed things up, but I don't know if anybody actually believed Phoenix was going to win the, the, the title or, or get to the NBA Finals. Utah, as good as their record was, they had tons of skeptics, including myself, going into the postseason. Denver would have been the other team. Denver would have been the team that I thought could get L.A. as good as Jokic has been. I mean, that guy's been sick. It's time for people to recognize he's a legitimately great player. There's no qualifications. You know, he's not winning the MVP by default. He's probably the only big man in the league who I think is a one-man offense from a facilitation standpoint. You know, when you're talking about players who can score and create for others, the, the list is really LeBron, Harden, Jokic, and Luka. Those are the, the top four guys in the league at that, I think. But with Murray down, the, the guard play, I, I think, is a little suspect against an elite defensive team. The Clippers, they, they came back against the Mavericks last night. They get a game in that series, but has the way they've played instilled confidence that they're a championship-level team? The Mavericks playing well, but that's a, such a Luka-centric team. So that leaves the, the Lakers. And LeBron hasn't looked quite 100% to me yet. You know, as far as like planting and driving to the basket, the explosive movements. But you never know, you know, if he's going to get a little bit better as the playoffs go on because he's starting to look like he's getting a little bit more rhythm each and every game. You know, it's not a surprise when his teams lose game one. He, he tends to use that as a feel-out game. Anthony Davis was not engaged in game one. When Anthony Davis and LeBron are locked in, I don't think certainly anybody in the West is beating them. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show. You know, um, Anthony, producer of the show, I neglected to ask you, uh, wh- wh- what's your reaction to where your, your New York Knicks are right now? Oh, well, obviously, uh, you know, the, the Hawks have outplayed the Knicks so far these, uh, these first three games. You know, the Knicks had that great comeback in the second half and, and won game two. But, uh, you, know, you know, listen, it hasn't been good, especially, you know, last night. Uh, Randall, you know, continues to struggle. And, you know, we saw this during the course of the regular season where, you know, Randall will go through spurts where he doesn't score. And then when that happens, then the Knicks struggle because, unfortunately, you know, right now, you know, the Knicks just don't have a guy that they can go to when they're in desperate need of a basket to get them a hoop. So when Randall's struggling, uh, that usually means that there's uh, the Knicks are in trouble. And uh, especially uh, R.J. Barrett needs to pick it up. He hasn't been good so far. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been disappointing. Uh, you know, the, the, the Hawks have been the better team so far in, uh, in all three games, and they could easily be up 3 nothing in this series. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, again, uh, even last night, you know, the Knicks' bread and butter is defense, and, and the defense was terrible last night. So and give, the, and give the Hawks credit. I mean, again, we, we knew how deep they were going into the series. It seemed like everybody contributed in some way for them last night, and put the uh, the ball in the basket. They uh, they finally were knocking down their their, their three pointers last night. Atlanta, so they weren't missing their open shots. So uh, they're up two one. We'll see if the Knicks can uh, bounce back. They've been resilient all season long. So we'll see how they do uh, tomorrow in Game Four. Well, you know the the, the thing about the Julius Randle situation 
that I would say is the most troubling is because I, I was I was on with some Knicks fans on a on a their uh, Twitter Spaces their Twitter Spaces on Twitter Spaces earlier this week. I I said, you know, I think this series is going to be a referendum in a, uh you know some ways on on the season he had, and that will become a subplot. Um, you know what they do with his contract going forward because he's obviously going to ask for a max contract based on this season. And this playoff series, as bad as it's been, does have to give you a little bit of pause about the the level of commitment. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds going forward because you you don't want to lock somebody up to that kind of deal, a superstar deal, if this is the production you're getting from them in the playoffs. Meanwhile, were, were you um, happy to see the, the Brooklyn Nets lose? Did that bring a smile to your face? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy. But again, I mean, the, the only chance, again, the Celtics are not going to win this series, but the only chance that they have to be to even be competitive in any of these games if, if Tatum has to score 50 points every game. I mean, he scored 50 and they barely won uh, last night, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, good. You know, it was nice to it was nice to see uh, at least you know the the Nets are not going to sweep the, the uh, this series, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun, like you said. You know, that building is going to be rocking uh, tomorrow. I don't think it's probably going to make a difference. I think the Nets will probably wind up winning t- uh, tomorrow and wind up winning this in five. But yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I'm rooting against the Nets, of course, as a Knicks fan. I want to see the Nets lose. Well, I don't think it's just you as a Knicks fan. I think most people are rooting against the Nets. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Daniel in Toronto. Daniel, is that true for you as well? You're rooting against the Nets? Um, not really rooting against the Nets. Not really rooting for them. Um, what I do like, though, is having the fans back. Great basketball. Um, a lot of these players haven't played with these fans, uh, not, not just in the regular season, now in the playoffs, too. It's definitely taking effect on some of the younger guys that, just, uh, I guess they're really excited right now. Um, you know, it's good for the sport. It's good for the playoffs. You got Spike Lee doing, practically doing backflips on the court side. It's, it's uh, everything that's happening with uh, Trey Young being the villain. It's making uh, playoffs great, in my opinion. Oh, I'm with you, and thanks for the call. Like, look, the playoffs have been – the fans have added value. There's no question to these games. No question. You know, you realize – you, you miss them. You, you, there's just a certain level of uh, energy that they bring that, that can't be replicated otherwise. The interaction with players when it's done the right way and, and all that. And here's the thing about the other side of it, which I, I've been talking about approaching, and I, and I want to get everybody's thoughts on. There's not much to say, right? Like, what are you supposed to say? Pouring popcorn on Russell Westbrook. Of course you shouldn't do that, right? Like, of course the, the idea that that needs to be uttered is ridiculous. What what happened with uh, Trey Young? Spitting on somebody? You spit on someone, we got to fight, right? Like, that's the rules. You spit on me, we got to fight. That's just like an understood rule of the universe. And I don't fight. Like, I'm, I, you know, I'm, that, I'm not that kind of dude. I don't, you know, I've never been that kind of dude from... from when I was a little tyke to darn near a 40-year-old man. But you spit on somebody, you might get your jaw broke. You got to be ready to catch a fair one. I mean, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. But that, duh, you know? What, what was said to, I mean, and then there's, 
there's these incidents of belligerence, and then there's the the hateful things that have been described. What was said to to John Morant's parents, what they said was said to to Dylan Brooks. You know, obviously circling back to, and th- those were racially motivated comments. By the way, if you weren't aware that that were apparently said to, to Dylan Brooks. And, and then you circle back to, to what Kyrie was wary about. Again, they're, you know, people aren't making these things up. But, I, you know, like, I don't know, you know wh- what is going to be my, what is going to be my, like, insightful take? You can't, I mean, being hateful in general, being racist in general, obviously should be er- eradicated. And then the, this this uh, line that, that gets crossed by fans, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what the the right way to to put it is because sometimes I, I do believe that fans don't think of professional athletes as people. You, know, you, you hear, and, and, and when I say fans, I'm not painting with the broad brushstroke and saying all fans, of course, just like with anything. But these, you know, these are individuals, people. That's why when you when you hear them, uh, you know, Naomi, Naomi Osaka talk about not doing press at the the French Open, which is another topic I, I want to get to a little later in the show. I think that's interesting. But she's citing mental health, and then there's you know a, a quick reaction one way or the other, like go for her, good for her, you know, or. Uh, she's weak and fulfill your professional responsibilities. There's nuance involved in conversations like that because you don't know what an individual is going through. And when when you got these players out there and, and the way that the, the fans are behaving sometimes, you don't do that to someone you respect. You don't do that to someone you treat, you know, as a human being on your level. And that's the most disturbing thing. I mean, look, we've seen ugliness outside of basketball arenas, especially in recent years. All right, so I guess that part of it's not that shocking. But you still would hope that, you know, adults would not act like belligerent children. But I, I mean, I don't know what, banning them, cool, you know, I guess. Is that stopping the next person, though? I'm not sure. So there's no, like, other than just, like, railing and ranting, which I can do, but, you know, that's not my style. I'm not rant guy. I, I don't know what to say. Like, what? what I, I kind of almost feel like taking the humorous approach at times. Yep. You see um, Spider-Man, the, the Captain America meme that, that came from Spider-Man when they're watching the instructional video at the assembly? And he, he sits down in the chair and sits backwards in the chair and has his arm over the top of the chair. And so you got detention. So you got banned for life, <laughs> right? You know what you did was wrong, or you should, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's pretty simple. We should all know what's right and wrong in those situations. You know, you're lucky you don't have a broken jaw. Sitting with someone? That's Okay. Spitting on someone, it's the last time you'll see the Knicks play. Eating popcorn, fine. 
throwing popcorn, you're going to have a bad time. You know? I guess maybe the question is you have to ask yourself, what would Tim Tebow do? That may be the, the, the fan uh, mantra that needs to be followed from here on out. Just simply ask, what would Tim Tebow do? What would Tim Tebow do before you, you act? Because in that uh, instructional video, he says, what would Captain America do? I'm just, uh, Tim Tebow feels like the most goody two-shoes example <laughs> I could possibly think of. But, like, I mean, is there a counterpoint? Yes, so fans should be allowed to act like Neanderthals. No, of course not. What do you make of the return of fans? 855-212-4227. The good? The energy in the building. The vibe, the, the, the life that has been brought to sports again. The bad? Well, you see it. I mean, it was all in one night, right? Basically, hateful stuff said to, to John Morant's parents, apparently. Trey Young getting spit on. And Russell Westbrook having popcorn thrown on him. 855-212-4227, at Robin Lindbergh on Twitter. Let's go to Billy in Toronto. Billy, you're up next on the show. What's going on? Yeah, hey, Robin. I, I got to parrot almost everything you said. I, I agree 100%. I just think that this uh, is maybe just the fans saying, look, you know, we're back. Look, are you happy to have us? I know it's a, it's a bad way of doing it. I mean, uh, dropping popcorn and spitting. It, well, I mean, like, if you're happy to have us, so you, somebody come over to your house and spit on you. That No, I mean, like, that. that's not, you know, there's no way to spin that positively. Yeah, no, Robin, I agree 100%. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's almost mirroring society now where we're, we're almost not, uh, you know, we're doing whatever we feel like we want to do. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's got to stop. I, I mean, I, I take it one step further. Nothing bad happens, thank God. But watching the golf uh, with Phil and uh, Kepka coming up the green and like all those fans behind him I know they were rooting on Phil of course but something nasty could have happened in there some guy has a knife and is a mental case uh I don't know what I don't know what golf was doing to allow that and I hope that that never happens again I mean Phil looked Phil looked absolutely shaken and he still hadn't won the tournament yet so uh I hope that uh the fans uh you know clean it up a bit this is uh it's getting a little stupid out there thanks Robin Yep. Well, look, fans are a microcosm of society, right? You can't ignore that aspect of it because you're talking about a large group from a, a certain where, whatever place it is, whatever arena it is from that city, right? Like last night, it would be Atlanta and Boston and Dallas, right? Like, so no matter where it is, it, where the incidents we're talking about were Philadelphia and New York and, and Utah. Now, again, there's you know certain places have developed the reputation for what I would call more hateful actions or racist actions. And, and Utah and Boston are, are the two places that you see that brought up a lot. Um, and then there's this, this other, I think Jeff Van Gundy described it as belligerence, right? Which you see, uh, you know, and, and not that obviously racism is, is limited to those places. We've seen it across the country. Um, but it, you just hear stories about those two destinations more often, I believe. Um, but when when it comes to just the, the overall behavior, I mean, that's a microcosm of society. You're taking 10,000, 15,000 people from one place and putting them in there, and some of these people are acting that way. Well, those people are going back to their houses. They're going back to their hometowns. You know, they, you, don't, you don't just put on a magical fan cape. So a, a lot of it's been good, fans being back. But 
I guess you, you take the good with the bad, but that bad's got to stop, man. I don't know what else to say about it. What do you make of the return of fans? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. It is the Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.